The growing calls across the nation to defund the police. To end policing as we know it. Off the charts violence in New York City. 11 people shot in just eight hours on this is Sunday. About the police officers, officers who every single day put on that uniform and they run towards danger when we run away from it. Step into the heart of the action with The Comm Center. It's a podcast that illuminates the untold stories of emergency dispatchers and their vital role in saving lives. Join us as we delve into the riveting 911 calls, bridging the gap between dispatchers and first responders, and uncovering the remarkable synergy that safeguards our communities. Here are the voices behind the scenes on... The Comm Center. Good evening, everybody. I'm Drew Breezy. I'm going to be your host for the Comm Center. I am part of a, a podcast family, and Josh is our producer. He, you can hear him in the background, but he is uh, he is one of many that uh, contribute to this show, and we all do uh, hard work, and we all do this for you because we uh, we love you, Wolfpack. Uh, we are doing our best as a show, uh, as a podcast, Failure to Stop Podcast, to keep first responders entertained and informed, whether that's dark humor, whether it's practical news, maybe it's some informative breakdowns. We're going to deliver five, day, uh, five shows a week to you, and tonight is no exception. Uh, we're not going to do all five tonight. We're going to do our best to deliver this one, which is called Com Center, and uh, I've already given you a pretty good description of uh, what what we're about. So tonight we're going to cover uh, something that was uh, pretty prominent in the news over the past couple of weeks. Anyway, uh, the Carly Russell case, if you're not familiar with it, uh, I would prefer that because uh, you know, th that'll make it a nice little surprise for you. I'm without John tonight. I don't know if you've noticed that or not. Uh, he's, he's here in spirit. Uh, John was uh, afflicted with uh, a temporary case of, um, I, I, I can't remember the name of it. However, it's like the poor man's, it's the wish.com version of Lou Gehrig's disease. Now, I don't wish this up upon anybody. I don't wish this upon John. Um, I, I, I believe it was Lou Pinella's disease, like a, a low rate 70s outfielder. He, he wasn't quite as good as Lou Gehrig. So, um, <clears throat> I think it's a 24-hour thing. He should be back, uh, back to normal. Uh, he did uh, have family at his side, and and he's been uh, surviving and thriving. Um, and uh, the last I heard, he was in good spirits, eating mint chocolate chip ice cream. There, there was a potential sighting of him uh, involved in some type of lawn accident. Uh, I got a voicemail about it. Maybe we'll see. Uh, maybe we'll see what happens. There's a, there is a comment up there from somebody who claims to be John that says, sick my ass, I was fired. Uh, well, fired and quit are two different things. So uh, you can't quit. I just fired you. Uh, no, none of this happened. So welcome, everybody. Welcome in the chats. If you're uh, following along on our YouTube channel, today there was an onslaught of, uh, of updated stuff. Like it, it just it looked like we just threw up, you know, 30 different videos or whatever. In actuality, it was six or seven. And what it did was it probably, quote, clogged your feed with a bunch of new live things. All, all I'm trying to accomplish is I took jo the, the aforementioned Josh's uh, podcast. He is Josh and, and Eric Tanzi do a podcast called Last, Last Call. 
And um, I took their podcast and made it uh, a YouTube podcast. It's something kind of new that's on the horizon. And uh, I'm trying to get in on the ground floor of that. So all, all I essentially did was took um, old episodes that were privatized, basically, so for our members only because it's one of the perks. And I made them public. So when it does that, YouTube just kind of sees that as, okay, well, you made it public now, so we're going to we're going to say that you recently uploaded these, I guess, I don't know, to get people to watch. So, um, so that happened. I tried to warn everybody in the, in the, via a post on, on YouTube first, that this is what I'm doing and it's going to look kind of funky. Just don't pay attention to it. Well, uh, probably 10 or 20 of you have spoken and, uh, you have left our, our graces. You are no longer subscribers and uh, I am definitely okay with that. Um, if if the uh, inconvenience of uh, six or seven new videos uh, clogs your feed, uh, I apologize for giving you a lot of free stuff. Um, but when the smoke settles, I still love you. Come on back. You're still a member of the Wolfpack. Once you're a member of the Wolfpack, this isn't you, you don't get branded like you do in that Yellowstone show. Once you're a member of the Wolfpack, you're always a member of the Wolfpack, whether you love us or you hate us. It just it just it goes with the job, it goes with the territory. So uh Eric Tanzi is in the chat. He's saying I'm looking fly. Uh he says, looking fly, my guy. Stop rhyming. I mean it. Uh listen, all I can do is be me. And uh, in doing so, I'm going to warn you of something. I had a pretty bad week. Uh, thank you, Andrea. Andrea said, I love you, Druzy, and uh, I love you too, Andrea. Um, I had a pretty bad week this week. Um, and I want to I warn you that I, uh, I talked about dark humor a minute ago. This is how I survive. <laughs> I, I am not joking when I tell you this. I'm a childhood trauma survivor. I don't consider myself a victim. I consider myself a survivor. Uh, I'm you know more than willing to talk about it. But at the same time, um, I, I deal with, uh, with uncomfortable, sometimes uh, like potentially traumatic things by, by nervously joking or, or making people laugh, uh, essentially, which deflects the tragedy away. So I'm going to tell you about my week. The, the first thing that happened was over the weekend, uh, we lost a great soul. Uh, the, the, the law enforcement world lost a great soul uh, in the in this guy right here. His name is Michael Trill. Mike Trill. He goes by Trill sometimes. He's uh, he, He's got a million talents. Um He's uh, he is not that guy that you see there. Meaning he's not the uh, you know I'm buff and I'm. He was a major with the Tarpon Springs Police Department. Probably one of the most uh, probably one of the funniest, most engaging people you will ever meet. He was the lead singer in a ska band. He named his uh, patrol car after uh, Greek Greek uh, gods. Uh, he had a wonderful family, two, two uh, NCAA athletes. He was teaching them to be powerlifters also. His baby girl turned six, uh, who he loved and adored and would constantly put her on Instagram, you know. And uh, she turned six, and they tragically came home on her sixth birthday and found him. And uh, it, it was, uh, you know, a medical emergency that, to the best that anybody can see. Um, there's no need to take it any further than that. I mean, take away your speculation. The, the police department even did uh, 
did a statement that said that, you know, his wife returned home and found him in the bathroom and there was no pulse and they tried to revive him. But unfortunately, Mike died. Now, th- this is this guy was the picture of health. I'm telling you, uh, he was uh, <laughs> he, he was constantly in the gym. Um, and just, uh, I, I don't know what else to say about this guy. He was probably one of the funniest people on the planet. He's easily one of the top three funniest people in law enforcement. And I'm not trying to bring it down here. I'm just trying to tell you that life is very short. So, uh, everybody needs to love one another and, uh, don't forget the Mike Trills of the world. Here he is with his, uh, with his family. There's, you know, there's his little baby girl and his two, two sons. They're, they're monsters, and they're both in college. I mean, very successful. He was a successful guy. He, um, if you look up uh, Charlie Kondek, who was an officer at the Tarpon Springs Police Department that was taken from us, he was murdered while on duty. Mike gave the um, Mike gave the uh, the eulogy um, at at Charlie Kondek's funeral, and uh, I, I'm telling you, he had the whole. Pl- I, I think Charlie Kondek at one point was laughing during this thing. So um, <clears throat> just a wonderful human being who's no longer on this planet. And, and you know, it hits home to me. I told you this a couple of weeks ago, if you follow along um, when we had another officer right around my age die. I mean, Mike was a year or two younger than me. And I don't know, it just kind of hits home. Uh, so then just when you think you've had enough, um, you know, I'll, I'll get into the personal part of this, this whole thing. Uh, my mother died. Uh, Sunday, uh, or was it Monday morning? Um, she was, uh, you know, don't fret. Uh, she, like Mike, was a lifelong Christian. I, I'm not saying I live at the foot of the cross, but I'm telling you that both of them were prepared. They were definitely well-received. Uh, my mother was uh, just a good Christian woman. She lived 92 years on this earth. The last year or so have been kind of rocky, um, because we would start to have the same conversation within the conversation that we were having. Um, as I've said on the show before, with my dark sense of humor, she could hide her own Easter eggs for a while, uh, we noticed. Um, uh, but I love her so. Uh, she was, um, like I said, 92. Uh, she was a lifelong member of the First Baptist Church in Niagara Falls, New York. If you're around that area and uh, you want to show up on Tuesday... That's where I'll be. We'll, we'll be having the service there, but uh, she just leaves. Uh, the, you know, she's up there. She, my dad was probably like, okay, I've, you know, I've had a nice long break without you. Come on up now. Uh, and she joined him, and, um, you know, they're up there together, hopefully uh, having a good time, and maybe they'll bump into Trill up there. Who knows? Uh, so enough about that. Like, I just, I don't want to bring everybody down. I know that uh, there, there is no easy way to talk about death and there's no easy way to, to you know, to talk about, but th- this is where I'm at. This is where my headspace is. And um, so all I'm trying to do is bring you, uh, entertain you because that keeps me uh, focused and it keeps me, uh, it kind of keeps me going. So um, anywho, <laughs> I don't know how you follow that. Uh, tonight, again, we're going to talk about Carly Russell, so let's get into that. Uh, if you don't know the story, um, this occurred in Alabama, just completely switching gears here. This this occurred in uh, Alabama. Um, I'm trying to think of the name of the city. We'll, we'll see it in a second. But essentially what happened is uh, she was um, driving on the interstate. 
she left to work. I think it was a Thursday night. And she's driving on the interstate, and she calls 911 and says, hey, I see a baby, or I see a little kid walking on the side of the road here, which is kind of odd. I mean, you know, if you see a little kid walking around the interstate, I'm, I would hope somebody would call. There's a couple of questions I have right off the bat, but we'll get to them. So she calls 911, and she explains this whole kid thing and uh, the fact that, the, you know, this kid is just kind of roaming the plains um, <clears throat> in her town, Hoover, Alabama is where it is. And uh, they send uh, cars, you know, out there, patrol cars. Uh, uh, this all stems from a 911 call, which we'll play. The 911 call, uh, 911 operator did a fantastic job as usual. And um, so while, the, while they were on the way, um, she called a family member. I think it was like a sister-in-law or a sister or something like that. She told the sister-in-law or sister or whatever it was what was happening and then all of a sudden, she just screamed, and the phone went dead. So when the officers arrived, they found all of her belongings strewn uh, uh, in the car, with the exception of her cell phone. Uh, they found a wig outside, uh, but no sign of her and no sign of uh, a young child roaming the plains, uh, as I said earlier. So... Uh, now things take a turn because uh, what they thought was a rescue mission for a young kid and maybe try to find uh, the, the kid's parents, like maybe he just got separated from his parents or something, has now turned into a possible abduction. And we don't know anything about this kid. And, you know, there's about 600 different possibilities. So essentially what happens is uh, the Hoover Police Department professionally investigates this. They call in all the assets they got. They call in the U.S. Secret Service, the FBI. They call in, you know, Alabama State Police, whatever they're called. Uh, local agencies showed up. Everybody showed up in mass to try to find young Carly. Uh, and they couldn't find her. And they they tried every trick in the book to try to, to, to find her, like, uh, some of the investigative, uh, investigative methods that we're going to talk about in this uh, thing tonight. But um, they just couldn't find her. So you fast forward a couple days later, she shows up back home. She wasn't completely untouched, but she was kind of untouched. I don't even know what that means. So what we're going to do is uh, let's start off with um, the 911 call. And then we'll just take it from from there. Remember, it's just me, so. 911, where's your emergency? Hi, I am on Interstate 459, and there is a kid just walking by themselves. Oh, like, hold on, like hold on. Where, where on 459 are you? Um, um, I'm right next to the exit, exit 10 by the Hoover Met, like to get off by the Hoover Met. Okay, so you're before that exit? Yes. Okay, and were you you headed southbound or northbound? Um, like toward Tuscaloosa not, or toward 280? Toward Tuscaloosa. Okay. And was the child on the left or right side? On the right side. Were they walking northbound or southbound? Um, they're walking towards Tuscaloosa. Walking southbound? Or how old do they look? Um, Like a toddler? Like maybe like three or four? Did you pull over with them? Are you still with them? Yes. 
Okay, you're, are you with the child right now? No, I'm not. I didn't get out of the car. I'm just, I, I can see them, though. Can you, do you mind staying and keeping an eye on them until we get there? Yeah, yeah, okay. sure, yeah, yeah. Okay, what kind of car are you in? I'm in a red Mercedes Benz. Is that a sedan or SUV? SUV. I mean, it's a, a, a sedan. Sorry. Can you put your hazards on for me? Yeah, they're on. Okay. Did you talk to the child at all, or did you say anything to them? No. Okay. No. Do they look like they're injured? No, they don't. Are they white, black, Hispanic, or Asian? They're white. Okay. Is it male or female? I think it's a boy, a little boy. White male? Okay. Is he wearing clothes? Yes. Okay. What is he wearing? Um, it's a white T-shirt, and it doesn't look like he has any pants on. It looks like a diaper. And you don't see any cars anywhere? No, no cars are anywhere. Okay. All right. What's your name? My name is Carly Russell. And you don't see any injuries on the child from where you're at, correct? No, no, but I can't really see them that good. Okay, try to keep an eye on them for the best we can because I don't want you to lose track of them. Um, okay. All right, and do they have shoes on? No. no shoes? Not that I can see. I can't really see that one. Okay. All right. I've got them on the way, okay? Just try to stay, keep an eye on them, but officers are on the way, okay? Okay, thanks. Thank you. Okay, bye. Okay, so uh, a couple questions. Oh, okay, so a couple questions right off the bat here. Um, I, I, not even questions. It's just things that are going through my mind. I, I do believe the dispatcher did a great job. Uh, I, I think, though, in, in hindsight being 2020, you can hear when she's having to think of her answer on the fly. She probably thought of everything, like, this is what I'm going to say, this is what I'm going to say, and I hope I'm not giving you some kind of spoiler alert, but she she told uh, she answered every question the best she could. She didn't know what questions were going to be asked, and she kind of gave an answer the best she can. My initial observation, and you tell me in the chat, or you know what, you could even call at 848-COM-911, that's 848-266-6911, um, and you can call and join the discussion yourself. But I, I, she didn't seem very excited to me. Now, we, we've talked about this before. Different people handle stress and trauma uh, different ways. And uh, I, I don't know if she's in the medical profession. I think I've seen her in some medical-looking clothing. But uh, so, so people do kind of handle things differently. And, and I get that. I, I completely understand that. So she might just have a, have a level head. Um, so from the dispatcher standpoint, she's just trying to get as much information as she possibly can. She's like, okay, wait, wait, wait. You're saying you're on the interstate. She wants to make sure she's got the interstate right. She makes sure that she knows which direction. She knows the, the thing that we always screw up or the thing that uh, people always get lost in when they're trying to tell you where they are is whether they're north or south of the direction. Look, I can tell you as, a, as, a, as an officer – 
<coughs> pulling people over on the interstate. Sometimes you just get lost in the sauce when you're driving. And, you know, you make the traffic stop and you're like, uh, I mean, I know I'm <laughs> I know I'm southbound 75, but I'm in the middle of nowhere. I think I'm just north of 674. I mean, that's a big span of road. So sometimes people uh, don't, you know, probably the average citizen probably isn't paying a whole lot of attention as you could see in the video and i uh, you know apologize if you're listening to this as a podcast but as you could see in the video she was coming up on all these signs these are the kinds of things that a dispatcher would do to try to draw out of them like where they are like okay did you see any signs do you see any lights in a parking lot do you see any um, you know, should, you would just ask questions like that. There was uh, there was a sign that specifically showed, um, you know, some restaurants and an exit number, which is great. It, she says, I'm right, I, you know, I'm headed towards Tuscaloosa and I'm just before the exit, uh, exit number 10, because she could see that sign. So there's that. Um, and, and the kid, the, the investigative part of this, uh, the investigative mind that I'm running through when I'm listening to this. Like if I were listening, if I, if I were re-listening to this as the detective, I would be wondering things like, well, for, you know, she says he's a toddler. Then she says he doesn't have any pants. She, uh, well, well, let's hold on. Let, let's back this way, 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 way back up. Have you ever hit a deer? Or have you ever hit a, a like a, a squirrel or um, it, it, you people do that all the time because they don't see it coming. So when you're on the interstate doing 55 or 60 or 65 or 75 in some cases or 90 or whatever, you don't see little targets like that. You, you don't, you know, especially if it's not well lit, your headlights show a beam pattern on the road. And they're designed that way so it could keep you on the road. It keeps you in between the lines. You, you know, obviously it, it shows in a, a distance into what's ahead of you. And that's why it illuminates the signs. You can see it illuminating the signs and stuff. But it's very hard to pick off a toddler when you're doing 55 down an interstate and then just pull off to the side and the, the toddler has kept up. If, if something happened, like say, say you left your cell phone on your car and you take off um, and you got to whip back around, you, you'll see, I mean, <laughs> it takes forever. There's a big distance between where you stop and where that object is. Okay, so it, it's not like she's going to see this thing way up ahead and slow down and just pull off to the side. So that that's the first thing that I'm thinking of, like... Obviously, we got to treat this like an abduction until we can determine it's not. But she's very calm on the phone. She's very deliberate, and uh, I don't know what what's. Uh, I, I could. I'm going to play the radio traffic of what they saw at the scene. Uh, I, I don't know if that gives us any indication, other than like the only thing that's not here is her phone. Her Apple Watch was still in her car. Okay. Because uh, that would be another way of tracking her. But my point is, like, you're not going to see something like that way off in the distance and just pull over and then, you know, just um, just sit there with your flashers on while the cops come. Like, you can see, I I'm going to show you, I'm going to play the same thing basically without 
sound without the 911 call, but you can see that her car is in the shoulder on the shoulder of the road. She's already slowed down. You can see the pa the pace of all the other traffic around her. They're just going. They're just moving at normal speed. This is a DOT camera that she probably wasn't counting on there on being there, and uh, you can see she gets to the big sign where um, it, it lists the four restaurants or whatever. She still has her flashers on. She's still in the in the lane there, but uh, you could see that she stops at a mile marker sign right next to a, um, like some kind of like, this is the village of sign. You know what I mean? Uh, I'm, I'm not saying that right, obviously, but, um, but you can also see the other signs up in the distance. The other vehicles are illuminating those signs. And, you know, so, uh, what you don't see, though, is her struggling with anybody. You don't see a little kid walking around. But my point is the distance between those two signs, the, the between the, the one sign that has the restaurant on it and then the sign that has the um, mile marker on it, is the pace that she's purporting that this kid is walking. She's saying that she hasn't gotten out to confront the kid, but she's watching the kid from a distance. Just so you'll know, the average child takes about 20 minutes to walk a mile. So we're, we're talking about kindergartners. So, you know, we, we know that from um, just general studies. I mean, we know that the, a kid's going to walk about 20 minutes. Uh, it's going to take 20 minutes to, for a kid to walk a mile. Sometimes when you respond to these uh, missing children or whatever, you kind of have to narrow down exactly what time they left. And it's for this reason, like we can kind of determine how far out we, you know, kind of need to set our radius. So like a kindergartner is going to walk about, you know, I've got it written here, 2.89 miles per hour. So my guesstimation, uh, they tracked her phone for 600 yards. She's while she's on the phone talking that was 600 yards, which, as the chief of police in that city pointed out, that's that's six football fields. So this kid is booking it, right? He's he's not wearing pants, and more importantly, at the end of the call, he's not even wearing shoes. She thinks he's a boy. She can see him from a distance, but she she only thinks he's a boy. That was wearing a shirt and a diaper, and no shoes. So. Have you been on the side of the road? Have you been on the side of the highway? I mean, it's like smashed beer bottles and rocks and uh, dead animals and, and all this other stuff. I mean, it's not – my point is it's not a putting green there. So I, I don't know that a kid is going to walk at peak um, – you know, the kid is not going to make it 20 minutes uh, in a mile to walk that mile. Um, so she's on uh, 459 uh, – by exit 10. Um, and on the other side of all of that is um, our houses. So uh, you see the police arrival there. I think um, they still don't, they don't find her. They don't, you know what I mean? But everybody's starting to show up now. Um, and they got nothing. They, they don't know where she is. They don't know where this kid is or whatever. So uh, I think it was like 90 something hours later. Um, she shows up at home and um, she's a little disheveled I'm curious uh, the, the, the mother says something very curious in her interview let me try to play the um, I'm going to try to get the the officer's um, 
I don't even know what I'm saying right now, but I, I'm going to try to get the officer's uh, thing to play for you, the, the radio traffic. That's what I'm trying to say, the radio traffic. Uh, because I have it here, I just can't get it to come up, that's all. Fortune 71, it's going to be 459 South, mile marker 10. It's going to be a child walking on the, 34-year-old child walking on the side of the interstate can, next can you to hear that? RP's going to be... Yep, that's wild. Red Mercedes sedan with a hazard zone. Yes, sir. Thank Child's going to be a white male wearing a white T-shirt and a diaper. 42 copy from YMCA. So that's the uh, dispatch. He's saying he's from the y He's coming from the YMCA, which is if it weren't in an interstate, no it would literally be around the corner. Child's been abandoned on the side of the road. 42 copy. A lot of this was negative, but she says that she would stand by for police. 42, call her RP back. She's not at their vehicle. 10 4. CLA, red and color to Nicole Russell out of Birmingham, 10 11. Her actual name is uh, Nicole. 10 4, we're not getting the female to answer. 42, I copy. 10-4, that's the RP. We're trying to call her back. She's not answering. Got the interstate as well. Can you give me a description on the child? And Were they southbound, walking southbound? 10-4, southbound, walking southbound. It was a toddler, three, four-year-old, wearing a white T-shirt and a diaper. RP arrived in a... Red Mercedes, and on with the RP subscription is going to be. Copy. Thank you. 42, just be advised, her vehicle is unlocked, running. All her personal belongings, you can set for her phone. 13, if we can, can we start in the Instagram area and just see if this child might have wandered from the house over there? 34, I'll be around. Vehicle, the RP, it just saw the child walking on the side of the interstate and gotten out with with it when she had disconnected. Uh, we're good up here. You may want to send him to know and see if they can make contact with somebody there. See if we can find her. 1045. Uh, you're going to hear a lot of chatter on the radio. I mean, you know, the Everybody's starting to wake up a little bit to the fact that, ooh, they got something going on up there. Let me get up there. So, you know, the female officer just said, hey, I'm 10 dispatch me. I don't know if this was like in between, uh, like by around a shift change or something, but um, you're, you're here, you're going to hear uh, in a second, like a sergeant or a lieutenant or somebody that kind of takes command that just says, hey, nobody else come up here. Just start, you know, scouring the area down where you guys are. Got a call about a female screaming with a child. 10441. Be advised, a female screaming line disconnected. Okay, so she, so what the dispatcher is talking about is the second call. It was a call to uh, a family member that 
uh, Carly was on and she was explaining what happened. Then all of a sudden she just started screaming and, and the phone went dead. And that person called 911, which is nightmarish because it's frustrating talking to somebody who's in a panic. It's even more frustrating talking to somebody who's in a panic who was talking to somebody who was in a panic. So, you know, it's twofold, first of all. And second of all, you're not getting accurate information. And they're, they're, they're probably at that point wondering, like, based on the questions you're asking, like, why did I even call? You know, because it's very hard to try to get that kind of information out of people. She was on the phone with her daughter when it occurred. Incoming personnel, just star 64 in the area. We're good down here. Okay, so that's something common. Uh, check and see if we have any air assets available to us. You would want uh, a helicopter from, you know, if if the local police doesn't have one, from the local sheriff's office, the state highway patrol, uh, somewhere, because often they have uh, forward-looking infrared radar, so they can get up and hover and kind of... Uh, Pick up on heat signatures, especially if there's a wooded area in there. Sometimes it's kind of t tough to detect within that wooded area, but uh, you definitely want some um, some air support to maybe help you, you know, look at the bigger picture. Ah, but there's new technology. Listen to the dispatcher's innovation here. Stand for also be advised we're about to get T-Mobile to ping the phone. Okay, so the dispatcher said we're about to hit T-Mobile to ping the phone meaning we're calling the cell phone company we're trying to we're going to try to rush an emergency order through to track her location uh, they're not going to do that the the mobile mobile phone company is not going to do that without an exigent circumstance this would qualify as an exigent circumstance however here in the state of Florida by statute only a state attorney of that jurisdiction can make that determination of whether you're going to ping a mobile phone like that 11 to 13, 10, 9, I'm sorry. Family is where I look right down here. Uh, the second updated call that we got in reference to the first call we got was from her. second call we got was from the family. Right. I'm just saying that the sister apparently has an open line with that phone still that she called from and can hear vehicles like it's still sitting on the interstate. 511, you want me to have McGinnis in route with a drone? Great call. Uh, that's what I was talking about a minute ago. Hey, you want me to have, I, I don't know if that's a dispatcher or one of the officers out there. Hey, you want me to have McGinnis show up here with the drone? Temple, that would be great. That's, I'm telling you, that's the, like as a supervisor, sometimes you're just not thinking of, of all of your resources and you've got a forward thinking dispatcher or a forward thinking uh, deputy sheriff or a police officer that's like, hey man, you want me to get the drone? And it just clicks in your head like, that's a good idea. Thank you. You don't even have to say glad I thought of it. Uh, that could quite possibly be the end of it. Yeah, I think it is. So now you're up to speed on what the 911 call is. You're up to speed on what the radio traffic is between them. Um, what we don't know is uh, what happened in the 96, I think it was, hours. I could be making that number up uh, that that elapsed before she knocked on her, her family's door. Um, now, I... I 
I, I'm going to take the high road as usual. I, I, this police chief that gave this this conference to me was uh, fr- on the impressive scale, in my opinion, 10 out of 10. He's definitely been a chief for a long time. He is. Uh, I, I mean, first of all, he gets style points from me. You're going to see in a minute. This this is this will make Eric Tanzi mad. Uh, what he's wearing, but to me, it's like that's uh, hats off. If you can pull that off, good for you. Um, but secondly, uh, the way he handles this press conference is a way, the, the way a chief should, in the sense that he gives you the facts of what they know, no supposition. Um, he tells you everything that they have done, so there's no question in your mind of, well, why didn't they do this or why didn't they do that? Then he handles the press. Uh, I, I didn't leave it all in, but he handles the he manhandles the press essentially. I mean, they threw a couple of questions at him, and he's just like, yeah, that never crossed my mind. Like next, um, and and it's he's not rude and he's not curt. He's just very professional, but he's got his shit together. And that's what you want in a police chief. Now, let's think of why you're going to have to do a press conference as a police chief. The the growing concern now is that this is a national story, but who cares about the media? He says it right in his press conference right at the beginning. Our goal was to get her to return home safely. That's it. That's our goal. The rest is gravy essentially is what he, you know, is what he's thinking or how he conveys. He doesn't say those words, but the rest is gravy. If she's faking and she's lying, who cares? She's home safe and we'll 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 send her the bill when we figure all that out. And and if she goes to jail, she goes to jail. If she was abducted, we need to know that for the safety of the rest of our citizens. There's a wild card in here though. What about the kid? There's a kid roaming the streets with no shoes and no pants. Obviously cannot be served at a 7-Eleven. So, you know, this is kind of the wild card in this whole thing. Um, It it just, it's unnerving to think that there's a child separated from a parent or a parent using the child as bait, which was one theory. But um, I want to address uh, one of these things also. like all of these comments I see on YouTube or or other people talking about this case or whatever, and they're like, I cannot believe that they have not released the 911 call from her because that's vital and we need to know and blah, blah, blah. And and this is where I, I say, it sounds like I'm talking down to you. And if it does, I apologize. I'm not talking down to you. I'm trying to tell you that's none of your business, okay? The 911 call, when it gets released, you can have at it. It's, it's not a game. It's not for you to hear, here's the 911 call, now speculate away. It's part of an investigation, okay? And all of the stuff that's gathered in the investigation will come out in due time. Nobody owes you anything. The only thing that the police department owes anybody is the safety of that community and returning that girl home, they don't even owe that. They're just, you know, the, the 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 diligent effort to get her returned home. Nobody owes you a nine one one call just because you're, uh, you know, a, a crime podcaster on YouTube. Nobody owes you any of that. It's just sit and wait, and this guy will, you, you know, let us conduct our investigation, and that's it. it it's and, and it's very clear to me that this chief is like unfazed by that. Like, he's just like, just 
as the facts come in, when we're ready to tell you, we will tell you. That's it. We're not worried about the rest. We just want her to come home. Okay, so I got that off my chest. I saw that a lot this week. And the child, as James Russell pointed out. Thank you, James. I appreciate that. So where were we? We're going to go to the Chiefs press conference. Watch how this guy handles it. Okay, Chick, uh, Chief Nick Durzis, you're, uh, you're one of my heroes now. Uh, this is from WVTM in, uh, I'm assuming, Mobile, Alabama. Obviously, I'm going to provide commentary over this, so I'm not just stealing their stuff. But it's, a, it, you know, it's an open-source press conference, basically. And, and this, uh, the chief has got a, uh, in case you're just hearing this and not watching it, a fuchsia, maybe mauve, sport coat, very gentlemanly. He has a perfectly, you know, uh, tri-tip pocket square, a baby blue tie, and a sky blue, uh, I take that back, sky blue um, tie and like an ocean blue shirt. I, I don't know how to describe it, Robin's egg shirt. Uh, dude is on point. He's on the cover. He's, you know, he's got snow in the mountains. He's a silver fox. He's, uh, he's well-dressed and well-appointed. And I'm telling you, this is what I want out of a police chief. If he's in his uniform, he probably looks svelte and, you know, uh, impressive and blah, blah, blah. Um, you don't want the ratty old detective look. Or you don't want the, the you know, stains on the shirt look. This is what you want. This guy's got his shit together. And that's it. Uh, just another two cents of mine. Besides me stands the team who played a significant role in this investigation. I want to thank our department. I, I'm, I'm going as far as saying that's a custom suit. Members of surrounding local law enforcement agencies, the FBI, Secret Service, United States Marshals, and ALEA for their assistance in this case. We said from the evening of July 13th, our focus would be the safe return of Carly Russell. That occurred on Saturday, July 15th, approximately 49 hours after she called 911 and disappeared. From that point, our focus has been to determine Carly's whereabouts during that time and what exactly took place. Let me say up front, this investigation is not over. We're still working this case, and we've worked in this case until we uncover every piece of evidence that helps us account for the 49 hours that Carly Russell was missing. However, through the public interest, and in some cases, public fear, that this story has generated, we owe it to our citizens to tell them the facts that we have uncovered. So I will give you the facts that we know today. On July 13th, at approximately 8.20 p.m., Carly left work from a business at the summit. Surveillance video from her place of employment shows Carly concealed a dark-colored bathrobe, a roll of toilet paper, and other items belonging to the business prior to her departure. She ordered food from Tzatziki's at the Colonnade and traveled there. She then traveled to Target on 280, where she purchased some granola bars and Cheez-Its. From there, she remained in the parking lot at that shopping center until 9.21 p.m when she drove to I-459. Carly communicated on her cell phone with individuals known to her while in her path of travel up to the point of calling 911 at 9.34 p.m. And at this time, we will play the 911 call in its entirety. Okay, we've already played it, so uh, Drew Breezy took care of that for you today. He, Drew Breezy has edited that out, and he is speaking in the third person. I, I'm seeing uh, off comments about his... Um, 
about his attire. God, I hope I edited this out. I thought I did. Maybe not. Let's see what happens here. Oh, yeah, that's that's bad. This is a bad thing. This is not the one I want. Um, so we'll get back to the chief here. After speaking with the 911 operator, she went missing during that conversation sometime. Oh, I know why. Hold on one second. Give me one second, fellas and ladies and gentlemen. Um, so that's what I want right there. Thank everyone for being here. From there, she remained in the parking lot at that shopping center. Okay. So we're back. Carly communicated on her cell phone with individuals known to her while in her path of travel up to the point of calling 911 at 9.34 p.m. Um, Carly called a relative after... So I'm, I'm seeing a lot of chatter about the suit. Uh, Eric Tanzi called him Willy Wonka. Um, Will Cray, uh, who we are trying to find a, a female companion for, um, seems to think he is homosexual just because of the way he dressed. Uh, I would suggest you take a sartorial tip from this uh, gentleman here. That's all I'm going to That's all I'm going to say, Will. Um, and then uh, I, I see some other stuff. But, but the, the overall uh, impression is that he is professional. Speaking with the 911 operator. I'm telling you right now, if I could pull that off, I would pull it off. I would do it. it it's, that's a level of confidence that's, that transcends any sexuality. That right there is a level of confidence that's like, I don't give a shit what you think. This is a custom-made suit. She went missing during that conversation sometime after 9.36 p.m. Traffic camera footage was obtained, which depicted this portion of the incident, and that footage was analyzed as part of the investigation in conjunction with the 911 call and cell phone data to accurately determine the time frame. Carly's 911 call remains the only report of a child on the interstate despite numerous vehicles passing through the area at that time. All right, great great fact, Chief. That's, uh, that's another thing the investigators took into account. Look, she picked this kid off walking, uh, you know, from whatever speed she was doing in the closing distance was ignored. What about everybody else? What about, how is she the only set of eyes that saw that? If Have you ever, and I know that you have, seen a dog roaming on the side of an interstate and the, the uh, chaos that causes because God and everybody stops for that dog. So could you imagine it just being a toddler with no shoes or no pants? All right. Anyway. No one has called to report that a child is missing. And the Hoover Police Department did not locate any evidence of a small child. I don't believe that this police chief has Crocs on. No. That's a question in the chats. I believe that he has Bruno Molly's on. And I, 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 my, I tip my hat to that. Walking down the interstate. Data from Carly's phone, including her Life 360 app, shows that she traveled approximately 600 yards in her vehicle while she was on the phone with 911, stating that she was following a child. 600 yards. That is six football fields straight. 600 yards. All right, that was the point I was making earlier. Obviously, I got tipped off by the chief. You know, like 600 yards is a, is quite a distance. That's that's six 
you're essentially running back six uh, <laughs> six kickoffs. You know, think about that. Back to like all linear. That's quite a distance, especially for a kid with no shoes on. Little little kid. Uh, Will Cray, you you could be right. They they may be um, alligator loafers. I, I'm thinking Johnson and Murphy minimum, but I, I really think they're Bruno Mollies. Uh, listen, and I own Bruno Molly by the way. Uh, uh, Life 360, if you don't know, because I didn't know prior to like a month ago, maybe it's a tracking app. It's it's kind of like Find My iPhone used to be, uh, only this is deadly accurate, and uh, you pay a subscription to it, and you can keep a uh, keep an eye on your family members or whatever. The Hoover 911 Center received a second call from Cardi's mother, stating that a relative was on the phone with her when they heard Cardi scream, and then they had an open phone line. Hoover police officers arrived on the scene within five minutes of being dispatched, and several other officers arrived shortly. They located Cardi's wig and cell phone in the grass near the vehicle. Her purse was located in the front seat of her vehicle with her Apple uh, watch in the purse. The food she- What's, uh, Anyone want to guess the significance? I wish, uh, you know, I'm, I'm back in teaching mode all of a sudden, like you're going to respond, but anyone want to guess the significance of finding her Apple Watch in, the, in her purse? It's, unless it was dead, um, it's another means to track her. It's, it's a means to be able to, you know, like if she's connected to anybody else. She ordered from Tzatziki's was also in the car. Her food was still in there. The items she purchased from Target, as well as the items taken from her place of employment, were not in the vehicle, nor were they located anywhere around the scene. All right, so remember, she took a bathrobe, a roll of toilet paper, and... Hoover police deployed all available assets from the point in the search for Carly. Additional resources were called in to include our own drone unit, crime scene investigators, Numerous detectives responded to the scene. Throughout the day Friday, officers from surrounded local and federal agencies assisted Hoover police in the search for Cardi Russell. Officers returned to the scene on 459 to conduct a thorough line search for evidence. K-9 teams from the Jefferson County Sheriff's Department responded to check for any sign of Cardi, the child that she claimed to see, and anything else that could be considered evidence in this case. Those searches all turned up empty. All right. Um... At 10.44 p.m. on July 15th, the Hoover 911 center receives a call from Carly's residence stating that she returned home on foot. In subsequent investigations, detectives obtained surveillance footage of Carly walking down the sidewalk alone prior to arrival at her residence. Just, just for those of you who might be future abductees, um, because this happens like the beginning of the school year a lot, like kids are, quote, nearly abducted and everything and it sets a panic off of the whole neighborhood understandably but there's the, the world is basically a casino now there isn't like maybe 20 feet or 30 feet that there isn't a camera looking at you there's a ring camera on somebody's front door or they're watching their own driveway there's an atm camera that's facing the the, the store you're in because even if they're even if the store's surveillance video is down, you got video across the street. And that's what's going to happen. So what happened is she she shows up at home and she knocks on the door like, hey, I'm home. And probably the first thing they did was canvas the neighborhood or did a neighborhood survey and got 
video from all around to show that she just came walking up on her own. Uh, it's part of the investigation. You, you'd want to do that either way. She was conscious, conscious and speaking with paramedics when she was transported to UAB. Detectives were able to obtain a brief statement from her prior to being treated and released. During the statement, she told detectives that while traveling down the interstate, she saw a baby walking down the side of the road and called 911. She stuttered when she got out of her vehicle to check on the child, a man came out of the trees and mumbled that he was checking on the baby. She claimed that the man then picked her up and she screamed. She stated he then made her go over a fence. She claims he then forced her into a car and the next thing she remembers is being in the trailer of an 18-wheeler. She stated that the male was with a female. However, she never saw the female, only hearing her voice. She also told detectives she could hear a baby crying. She told detectives the male had orange hair with a big bald spot on the back. I suspect uh, Ronald McDonald. Has anyone ever seen Ronald McDonald without makeup on? This is the first question. She said she was able to escape the 18-wheeler and fled on foot, only to be captured again, and then was put in a car. Obviously, it would have been the Hamburglar. She claimed she was then blindfolded, but was not tied up because the captor said they did not want to leave impressions on her wrists. She said that they took her into a house and made her get undressed. She believes they took pictures of her, but she does not remember them having any physical or sexual contact. She stated the next day she woke up and was fed cheese crackers by the female. Okay, so a couple things. Like One of the first things is like, uh, hey, can I see your wrists, please? This is this is this reminds me of the Casey Anthony answer. Like, always got an answer for everything. So, in other words, hey, can I see your wrist real quick? I mean, did they bound you? Did they bind you or whatever? Did they tie you up, duct tape? No, no. They said they didn't want to leave any like ligature marks, so they didn't bind me up. Like, who abducts somebody? Ask them politely to get over a fence, sticks them in an eighteen wheeler without putting some kind. You know what I mean? Like. This is the worst Ronald McDonald abductor in the world. Said the woman also played with her hair, but could not remember anything else. At some point, she was put back in a vehicle she claims was able to escape while it was in the West Hoover area. She told detectives she ran through lots of woods until she came out near her residence. During this interview, detectives noted that Carly had a small injury to her lip, and she claimed that her head was hurting. She also had a tear on her shirt. Detectives also noted that she had $107 cash in her right sock. Okay. Significant. $107 cash in her right sock. We'll get to it. Out of respect for Carly and her family, detectives did not press for additional information in this interview and made plans to speak with her in detail after giving her time to rest. Okay, <laughs> I see a comment from Eric Tanzi. So lucky she came out right by her house. Figure the odds. Um, yeah, look, I, 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 here's here's what I'll say. Um, I'm going to show an interview with the parents in a minute. Um, I feel bad for them because uh, they kind of have to play along to protect their child in a sense. Um, but I, I, I'm I'm going. 
let me look in my crystal ball real quick. Oh, yeah, there's a 99.9999% chance that she was not abducted. So now they've got to kind of play along with it. We're going to look at some body language here in a second. On July 11th at 7.30 a.m., the term, you have to pay for an Amber Alert was searched. Okay, so they got a hold of her phone. Secret Service downloaded it. They imaged the hard drive or whatever and found the search history um, that is not always deleted like you think it is. And one of the first things that popped up that stood out to them was, do you have to pay for an Amber Alert? Now, this was done. This uh, search was conducted before she was abducted. So it's quite a coincidence. On July 13th at 1.03 a.m., the day of her disappearance, the term, how to take money from a register without being caught, was searched. Okay. So the plot thickens a little bit. She had $107 in her sock for an unknown reason. Uh, obviously, the abductor's motive wasn't robbery because they would have, took, they would have taken that uh, Apple Watch in her car, first of all. Uh, and probably, since they made her take her clothes off, I would think they would have recovered that $107, but maybe not. Uh, I do see a, 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 a nice kind of comment, and I get it. I'm going to put it up here. Um, oh, shoot. I can't because the thing is in the way. But basically, uh, it's saying all aggravation aside, I'm thankful that she's safe and that no child was really uh, walking alone on the interstate. Uh, this is from a former 911 and 13-year EMT Uh Angry that people think that this is okay, meaning, you know, the person, uh, I get it. I, I totally get that. Like, the, the chief, that's why I say the chief is um, totally professional in saying, um, like, look, <laughs> our goal was to get her back. Uh, we'll, take a, we'll take the rest from there. You know what I mean? Like, we got her back. On July 13th at 2.13 a.m., the day of her disappearance, the term Birmingham bus station was searched on July 13th, 2.35 a.m. A search for a one-way bus ticket from Birmingham to Nashville was conducted with a departure date of July 13th. On July 13th at 12.10 p.m., a search for the movie Taken, a film about a production, was conducted. That might be the nail in the coffin. So she she uh, <laughs> she conducted a search for Taken. I don't know if she was, like, looking for tips or what, but. There were two searches later to Amber Alerts on a computer at Carly's place of employment, including one regarding the maximum age of an Amber Alert. There were other searches on Carly's phone that appeared to shed some light on her mindset, but out of respect for her privacy, we will not be releasing the content of those searches at this time. Okay, so there's still stuff they're doing in the investigation. I mean, you know, like one of the first questions in the, the press conference, and I, I edited it out, was like, you know, are you planning on charging her? And he's like, look, we're still in the process of, of uh, conducting this investigation. We know that she is safe. We're reasonably certain that there's no kid walking around at large, and we know that the community is safe. Whatever happens from here happens. You know, it's not, we're, we're not looking to charge anybody right now. You know, he's not saying that they won't charge. He's just saying, 
look, we're, we're just we're trying to shore up this investigation. We're glad she's home. We've asked to interview Carly a second time, but have not been granted that request. As you can see, there are many questions left to be answered, but only Carly can provide those answers. What we can say is that we've been unable to verify most of Carly's initial statement made to investigators, and we have no reason to believe that there is a threat to the public safety related, related to this particular case. Thank you very much. Great job, Chief. Is it surprising to you that the family has not been cooperative in the questioning is the question from the media. Here's his answer. Well, I think the, fam the family has stated to us that they didn't think that, uh, that uh, in her mental state right now because of, uh, of trauma uh, of, of the incident that she's not ready to talk is what we've been told. That's all you need to say. I believe it's a white male. Am I correct by saying that? Was it ever? Yeah, white male. Okay, so that to me is significant. <laughs> That's a very important detail. If you're the police chief and there is an actual abductor on the loose, you're going to want to know his description. He knows there's not, a, there's not an abductor on the loose. He knows that. She is describing Ronald McDonald. Don't believe so. I love the answer. Is this abductor on the loose in the Hoover area? Three words from the chief. Don't believe so. There's been a concern in the community that if this word turned out not to be a, a true story, that the next time a young woman of color file was, was missing, that it might not be taken seriously. How would you respond to that? I'd Okay, uh, this is infuriating to me because this is the media doing what the media does. She says there's talk in the community that if a, if a young girl of color comes forward that you're not going to take them seriously now because of what Carly did. All right, he answers it perfectly. Tell me, produce your source. Produce your, your group of the people in the community that are saying this. Because it's bullshit. She's lying. She made it up. She's making up the question. She's more of a liar than Carly is. Listen to the question again. There's been a concern in the community that if this word turned out not to be a, a true story, that the next time a young woman of color file was, was missing, that it might not be taken seriously. How would you respond to that? I'd respond to say that uh, we investigate every crime to the fullest, just like we have this one. Next. <laughs> I love this guy. Okay, so that here's way. what we're going to do. We're going to watch the Today Show interview, a uh, couple observations before we go forward. Now, I, I said you have to be very cautious uh, because different people deal with things differently. Um, if you just got your child back from being abducted, I don't care if she's... Uh, Eight years old or 48 years old, would there be anything keeping you from <laughs> wrapping your arms around that child, making sure that nobody else abducts her for the rest of her life? I mean, uh, I, I would be glued 
to my stepchildren if uh, anything like that happened. There, there's no way on God's green earth that I'm just going to be like, okay, let's sit down for an interview on the Today Show. And and and, and listen, I'm not taking cheap shots at these parents. I, I am actually going to end up taking cheap shots at them. I don't, I don't mean this in, 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 as ill will. Um, but uh, because I think that they're going through a hard enough time, but they are digging their own great. Uh, uh, that's a poor choice of words. They're 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 digging their own hole here. You, you, they're making it worse, in my opinion. I want you to look at their body language. I want you to look at the observe. Uh, I want you to observe how they look. If I'll tell you, if any family member of mine had been missing for 96 hours, and I don't care if it was two days later or four days later, I would have bags under my eyes. I wouldn't, you know what I mean? I'd be disheveled. I'd be, take a look, and then we're going to talk about the actual body language also. You all first laid eyes on her again. What was it like? To me, I mean, just so much joy this okay morning. I, w I want you to pay very specific attention to the father's um body language specifically his head shake you cannot what you can't do physiologically speaking when you're trying to lie it's hard to or when you're trying to be deceitful it's hard to combat what your body does so when when somebody you you, you probably heard it on detective shows or whatever but sometimes when it's taken in totality, if you ask somebody a yes, no question, and the answer is yes, and they're shaking their head no, there's a good indication that there is an indicator when taking in uh, gesture clusters of other gestures, that this could be an indication that they're lying or being deceitful or maybe not telling you the whole truth. The way you get there, though, is through um, just... Uh, building a rapport and seeing how they react to actual questions. It's a very reasonable question to say, hey, you were pretty happy when you saw her walk through the door, weren't you? And you could see very clearly his head bobbing up and down. That's his reaction in the affirmative. That's how he reacts when it's a yes, no question, and the answer is yes. So watch it again. Like, to me, I mean, just... So much joy this morning in an exclusive so, sit down with NBC News. You know, just kind of rocking a little bit. What did you do when you saw her? We tried to hug her as best we could, but I had to stand back because she was not in a good state. We tried to hug her the best we could, but we had to stand back because she was not in a good state. So we had to stand back and let medical professionals work with her. That's that, that part's probably but, true. I mean, that part's true. There were actual, actually just so many calls and texts from people who maliciously lied to us. I just didn't know people could be so evil. Crying without tears is always kind of a big one with me, but that's me. Authorities have not indicated where Carly was during the 48 hours she was missing okay, 48 hours. or what happened. Her parents declined to share what their daughter told them, citing the ongoing investigation. And can you tell me what happened Saturday night? Did you just get a knock at the door? Anything leading to, to the case itself, we, we can't discuss that. But they okay, why? 
you, you heard what the police chief said. He, he wants to talk to her about it. So she's saying anything leading to the, the case itself, we, we can't talk about. It's actually, we won't talk about it. We, we've consulted with an attorney and we know better than to talk about it. That's how I'm interpreting that. Say speculation about the circumstances surrounding Carly's disappearance are only making things worse. She's having to deal with the trauma of people just making completely false allegations about her. Well, think about that. She's had to deal with the trauma of people making false allegations about her, making false allegations. Family now urging the public to let the investigation play out, but mentioning an abductor. Okay, listen. They mentioned the abductor, but they're like, look, let's just let this investigation play out. I mean, what I'm not hearing, though, is I don't care. That's the police's job. They can have whatever they want from us. I am so thankful that my baby is back home. I am so thankful that the abductor saw things a different way. And, you know, God was good, all answered all of our prayers and return, delivered our baby back to us. I'm not hearing that anywhere. I'm hearing things like, uh, we can't really talk about that. And we tried to hug her, but we had to give her space. And uh, we're not hearing things like, I want them to find the abductor so they never do that to somebody else. Or the wild card in this. I want them to solve that mystery of who that little baby was that was walking on the side of the road that made my daughter pull over and lured into an 18-wheeler. I'm not hearing that. Her mother asking to read a brief message to the public. Um, Carly has given detectives her statement um, so that they can continue to pursue her abductor. Do you believe there's an abductor still out there? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Body language check. Uh, that's a yes or no question. Uh, absolutely is uh, a little bit of an extreme yes or no. Uh, I've used it before. Uh, let's watch the father's body language, though, when, when she asks, you believe there's an abductor out there, don't you? To pursue her abductor. Do you well, first of all, what do you need a written statement for anyway? There's an abductor still out there. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's kind of a yes. It's kind of a no. It's like a, it's not the pronounced yes or it's not the rocking back and forth from the beginning of the interview. You believe there's an abductor out there, don't you? And he's probably going no because that's what his body is making him do. And his brain is going, oh, shit. And so he's going, yeah. And he looks like the dog in the back of the window, you know, from the 70s, that little spring-loaded dog head thing. All right, so let's see here. And when I talked to you all on Saturday, you also said your daughter is a fighter and she would find a way back to you. I felt that in my heart. Is that what happened? She did. She found her way back to us. However, we can't discuss the details of that. She didn't ask her that. She, she, all she said was, your daughter's a fighter. You said she was going to make her back. And she's like, she is. She is a fighter. But we can't discuss that. Like, I didn't ask you to discuss it. But they say one thing is clear. Do you believe she was fighting for her life? Oh, she definitely fought for her life. Okay. <laughs> one last time. Let's do a, uh, 
Let's do a body language check on the dad again. We can't discuss the details of that. But they say one thing is clear. Do you believe she was fighting for her life? Oh, she definitely fought for her life. There were moments when that was she a solid no. had to fight for her life, and there were moments when she had to mentally fight for her life. But she made it back to you. She, she made, made it back. back. Okay, I, I am thankful she made it back. So, uh, you know, and I'm not trying to pick on these parents, but but they are perpetuating this. They're feeding right into it. And there's a good question in the in the chats that I want to point out, and it's very simple. Why would you do this interview? What do you need to do this interview for? Other than damage control, what do you need to do this interview for? The interview would be, my daughter is still missing, and I don't know why you're sitting here looking at me with a microphone in your hand. Why aren't you out there trying to find my daughter? Once your daughter is returned, what do you need to do the interview for? They're looking to do the interview with your daughter. Uh, what do you need to do the interview for? It's, it's bullshit. I'm going to take a call, and you can't stop me. Because I want to talk to Grabas, who's calling to do what we've always wanted to do and talk about dispatch and PTSD. So how are you doing tonight? Uh, pretty good. Long time listener, second time caller. Awesome. Can I get a mic click? <laughs> so um, the story I've got is the... Rural, semi-rural uh, dispatch center, small enough that at times they got slow enough where they were allowed a TV in there. Yeah. And one night we get dispatched for a female in respiratory distress, but it was so hard to hear the dispatcher speaking because all you could hear was this kind of screaming, muffled noise coming through the dispatch on the pager. Yeah. Well, we run the call and turns out, yeah, the juvenile female having severe respiratory distress uh, to the point that we got her to the local hospital and they quickly intubated her and shipped her on out. And she ends up being fine, but talked to the dispatcher a few days later because I worked in the building and I'm like, dude, why'd you have the TV up so loud? And, and they're like, that, that wasn't TV. That was the mother of the child. And yeah, she was screaming that loud through the phone that it was carrying over onto the dispatch mic. It doesn't. So, so that, that brings it, that should bring it home to a lot of people. That, that is a phenomenal story. That should bring it home. This is, this is what an average call taker, 911 emergency call taker goes through. That they're trying to save a life, but they're hearing like blood-curdling screams from a loved one who you're trying to convince to do CPR on their loved one, by the way. Um, inconsolable. And so loud that everybody else that heard it over the radio thought it was the TV in the communications room. Insane. Yeah. Great story. And it's just another example of they may not see, smell, taste what 
us out in the field do. But even what they have to listen to, my respect to dispatchers. Mm, my respect too, man. Uh, that's, uh, that, that is a chilling story, and I, I am so glad you called to share that with us. Uh, I appreciate the phone call. I'm going to go to um, Micah, who is trying to double dip, as I understand it, um, because, they're, uh, spoiler alert, there may be a voicemail with him in a minute. Yes, there may. Okay, Captain. So uh, I just also wanted to uh, share something with the Wolfpack um, this evening. Just want to let you know, I also had a horrible experience yesterday. I didn't call 911 over this, um, but I was sleeping and I had a horse charge into my room and galloping around. So it was a, it was a nightmare, and now I'm traumatized. Uh, that'll get you uh, dropped right out of our system. Uh, Grabas, if that's your name, thank you so much for calling. Uh, and uh, Micah, shame on you. Uh, and Micah, I just have to ask, uh, since we're probably going to have communion, uh, you know what the cheesy wafers are called, right? They're called Cheez-Its. Uh, I'm sorry. They're called Jesus. Okay, that was a dumb old Dane Cook. Uh, bit. Uh, listen, thank you both for calling. Uh, I, I, I think we've kind of put a, a nice little bow on the uh, on the case that we were covering tonight. Uh, always look at the body language. Understand that there's so much more to an investigation than what you think. There's uh, air. There's cameras. There are uh, there's physical evidence that's left behind. Like you would probably see a kid's shoes somewhere, maybe, or you would see rustling. Uh, I'm not explaining it right, but you would see uh, stuff in the woods or whatever. Um, so. Uh, understand that an abduction is a very rare thing. I, I do understand that, that that we're on heightened alert because of the child trafficking movies that are out, but uh, the stuff existed for quite a while, and I, I'm not quite sure that we're, we can marry the two terms of, of kids that are abducted here locally or whatever with child trafficking. I, I think it's kind of a different situation, uh, although, you know, it may be, uh, who am I? to judge. So, uh, I'm going to go against my better judgment and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to ch check in with the, uh, birthday boy from the other day. Uh, he runs C minus media. His name is Eric Tanzi. Eric. Well, oh, thanks. Drew. Thanks for one. Sorry. Sorry for your loss. And uh, I just oh. wanted to touch. I like, I, I think the whole, the, the mental illness thing that we play on here, I, I think sometimes like, I think parental illness is what they, What's it? What's at hand here in this case? Like complete parental illness. I mean, the the evidence is overwhelming at this point. The red Mercedes. The parents who are just ready to go out onto the media right away and just defend their little girl, no matter what. Well, I mean, this is like a spoiled brat that has just rotten to the core, doing spoiled brat little things. I'm not. Everything isn't mental illness. I've said it before. As a parent, it's your job. Uh, and until they're 18, to keep that mental illness uh, from, from spilling out into society. There's a lot of people who raise children with all sorts of mental illnesses. They keep their children's mental, health, mental, well, mental illnesses in check. And also when they get older, they have this like stability and to go into society without wreaking this kind of havoc. I think this is just a complete 
failure of, uh, of the parents. And I can see that by their stupid interview with the media there. Just had to put it out there. <laughs> Thank you for your take. I, I tend to agree with you. I mean, I, I do, I kind of see that this is, uh, uh, well, at a very minimum, it is them trying to keep her out of trouble or keep her out of jail. Maybe, uh, doing a bunch of damage control. It's, it's pretty obvious or pretty evident anyway, that they were coached by an attorney. They're reading statements. They're saying things like we can't discuss that. Whereas the police chief is saying, uh, we want to discuss that with her, but we're giving her space. So uh, I tend to agree with you that sometimes. If you had any, if you had any, any skills of being a parent whatsoever, you would never have gone out there and done that interview. You just yeah. wanted to, a good parent would have just stayed silent, uh, not looked for clout, not looked for anything, not tried to make this thing. It wouldn't do it. Also, um, as a police, as a street cop, you know how dirty street cop life is, right? You know, like locker room banter is crazy. You know that roll call is insane. If you're going to in-service training, the one thing is like, don't let me be on that radar. Don't let me be the guy that walks into to roll call or uh, walks into um, in-service training and be that guy that everybody's like, <laughs> because all it takes is that one little thing and you become that guy. And so that chief, as professional as he is, if he would have walked, if he was a street cop at a street level and he wore that to in-service training or he wore that into <laughs> roll call, he'd have been eaten alive by every single cop in there. It doesn't matter if he's the best cop in the world. He would got Dude, his lunch eaten. That's why I'm Absolutely telling you. That he chose that. That's exactly. He's got to know. He's got to know that we're going to shit on him. That's why I'm telling you that that is a new level of confidence. I, I'm, I am so behind <laughs> this guy. I am so, I, I am abreast. I am in lockstep with this guy. And, and, I, and I think it, you know, and, and people were arguing whether it was a summer suit or I, I don't believe it was wool, but I'm guaranteed it was tailored and custom. Uh, I, I, like a silk oh, sure lining. Yeah. No question. <laughs> I'm sure it was. I just like that conversation. He's like, honey, um, I'm about to address the nation on this insane case, this monumental case. What suit should I go? Should I do with the black, with the white pinstripe? Should I go with the navy blue, the Ralph Lauren with the gold buttons? No, honey. Let's do the Easter Sunday Willy Wonka one. That's the oh, honey, I forgot I even had that suit. You absolutely. I'm gonna I'm gonna write. What kind of socks? Uh, do you have those bright yellow ones with the purple polka dots? Yeah, put those on. Yep. Uh huh. That's how I see that going. Anyway, hey, this is a great show, dude. You're doing awesome. Love you guys. And again, uh, sorry for your loss. Oh, uh, thank you, you have buddy. Have a good night. Thanks, uh, and make sure the chief gets a Sunday ticket. All right, see you. Um, uh, is that what they were called? Golden ticket. I'm sorry. Uh, so by request, Abby asks, uh, hey, look, um, uh, are, am I going to give a hypothesis or a, a synopsis of something? Yeah, th this is – I think I read somewhere, look, I, you know, the, these things go rampant on social media as it is. So I think that um, – I read somewhere that there was some involvement with an ex-boyfriend or a boyfriend or something like that. Like th this really does seem like an attention getter. I mean, um, and, and, and Eric's to Eric's point, I mean, you know, the, the parents are just kind of perpetuating it in a sense. Um, I, I'm glad that she's home. That's as, just as the chief says, it, it, you almost know what he's thinking, but he's just, he's just, He's going to take the high road. And when when it's time to present more facts to tell you this is why we charged her or this is why we didn't charge her, but this is what we determined, um, you know, we'll, we'll take those facts at face value. But, but my instinct is this was totally uh, 
it was a shame for minute one. I mean, just just her, um, you know, the one in a million chance of finding a toddler walking on the side of the road, then the one in a million chance of the police showing up and you not being there. Um, that's two one in a millions. It's not one. It's not even one in two millions. You know what I mean? So, um, I, I think that this was a hoax from minute one. So there's that. I do have some voicemails that I want to call. I saw Chief Keefe in the, uh, I've just got to locate them. I, I saw Chief Keefe in the, um, in the, in the uh, chat, and here you can listen to him live, uh, somewhat live, re- pre-recorded. Here you go. Hey, guys, it's Jason from One More and I'm Out of Here, representing Rob Herking and Dan Carroll. want to wish you guys a good show. I've been a little bit behind. Uh, trying to heal a little bit and do our thing as well. But uh wanna hope hope you guys have a good show and uh hopefully Jonathan is back soon. Looking forward to talking with you guys. But uh hit our Instagram one more and I'm out of here because we got a fun uh little adventure to try to get subscribers up and it'll be worth watching Rob's screen. So Please tune in. I'm going to tune in. We love you guys. Thank you for all your help. Have a great show. Hey, Wolf. Chief Keith, everybody. Uh, here, we're going to hear Micah a second time. Um, Captain Micah. Captain the Cops. Hey, Wolfpack. This is Captain Micah. Uh, just, it's been overdue for a voicemail. It's been a, been a long time, so works same old, same old, a lot of strip searches, cell searches, shakedowns, and all that good stuff. I was just talking to John about that earlier today. And then uh, true story, last uh, when I left work, the wee hours of the morning yesterday, I uh, stumbled upon a single vehicle accident. Some car had left the road, and I just saw the uh, top of the vehicle down in a ditch. Uh, Myself and another driver pulled over. We went up to check and see if anybody was in there, if anybody's injured. I was thinking maybe John was uh, visiting the Southwest. I didn't see any snow plows, but I just wanted to make sure everybody was all right. And then uh, local PD started chasing people through the sagebrush looking for a, that turned out to be a drunk driver. So that was fun. And yeah, been doing good in, uh, in therapy, which is good because that's, you know, one of the couple places that a seal can go if they get angry. But uh, does anybody know where an angry sailor would go? I'm sure Davey will know this, but Micah, why don't you tell us? Well, obviously it's uh, anchor management. So anchor management. I'll leave you guys with that one. Guns up, giddy up. We'll look forward to Com Center. We'll see you there. He's a nightmare. Long-time caller, first-time listener. I swear to God, I'm not drunk. Oh, it takes a village. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't want to play that again. I just don't want the kids to be disappointed. Um, listen, we've had a great show. We've bonded together. I brought you down at the beginning. I tried to build you back up in the middle. And here we are at the end. Uh, so hopefully you've had a, a, a good time. We've had uh, Grabowski call in with a great story that p- drives the point home of why we're doing this show. I really wish 
that you would share. I really wish that you would subscribe to this. You know what? There are people that listen to this podcast, which is great. I, I mean, uh, listen, if a second person listened to this podcast other than my wife, I'd be impressed. But there are people that listen to this or watch this on YouTube that aren't even subscribers. Now, I realize that I drove a bunch of you away today. Uh, and, uh, and for that, uh, I refuse to apologize. But at the same time, just click the subscribe button. It's free. We're, we're giving you free content, and we're trying to give you the best that we can. And the more of you there are, well, there's more money in it for us, to be honest. And it gives us incentive uh, and or uh, uh, abilities to take time away from our families to create more content for you. Listen, Factor Meals, the, 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 uh, the code for Factor Meals is Wolfpack50. I'm going to tell you right now, when you go to Factor Meals, it is, uh, they are amazing. They sent us some meals. My wife has uh, devoured most of the, the smoothies, although my stepdaughter's not a big fan of them. Uh, my wife has devoured most of the smoothies. She's enjoying every single meal that they have sent. Like, she'll even eat the vegan one, she told me. Everything is so good. Uh, and it's fresh. And uh, so go to the website. Use code WOOFPACK50 for 50% off of Factor Meals. I think what they do is reduce your first box, then they reduce your next three or four by 20% or 30% or something. But listen, they are delicious. I, I can't stress this enough. Also, uh, there is uh, something called Ghost Bed. And I am uh, terrified of reading a Ghost Bed ad, especially after sharing the news of my mom's passing. I don't want to talk about ghosts. So go to ghostbed.com slash fairy to stop or Wolfpack uh, and enter the code. Um, I love you, mom. How about that? Then we'll talk a little bit about the uh, bookie thing. But I think uh, what you should do is probably go to the comments section of this YouTube video. Get the complete link. And if you would do me a huge favor and leave a comment of how horrible I am, how well I did, whether you like my beard, whether you like my uh, buttons this far down or buttoned up. Uh, I know that there are people that um, do not agree with me wearing suit and tie at times, but Felony Melanie is uh, is the star of the show. She says, God bless you, Drew. It's a great show. I'm so sorry for your losses this week. I know it's been a tough week for you. Keep up the great work. And she left me a $20 super chat. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I, I do mean that from the bottom of my heart. It, it really has been a tough week, but I told you I, I get through it with, uh, with dark humor. And I'm telling you, that my mother, uh, when uh, when she was alive, would probably be sitting here laughing at everything I'm saying, uh, even though I was making fun of her, and she probably never even knew it. All right, uh, I'm going home for a couple funerals, and uh, beyond that, I will see you next week. Don't forget, uh, we deliver five shows a week. It's going to kick off. Uh, I mean, we we the the uh, the summit of this mountain is tomorrow. And uh, Eric and I are going to discuss more people in the back of a trailer. Uh, and you don't want to miss it. I, I promise you. The, we, we've got video. Uh, we've got Eric's sense of humor. Uh, and we've got uh, my beard. So 
Until then, guns up, giddy up. John, if you were here at this point, I would tell you to stick around. But you're not.